Hey there, and welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join in with us today. Now, we're always inspired to hear how God is using Limitless Church to change lives. If you have a story to share of how God has used this ministry in your life, would you take a moment and send us an email at mystory@limitlesschurch.online? Now, you can also support this ministry financially. By doing so, you help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every single week. You can do that online at limitlesschurch.online slash give. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. Come on, put your hands together for the Lord, somebody. Come on. Come on, give him a praise if you know he's worthy. Hallelujah. What a powerful worship, amen, set today. And um, I'm just saying, something that's awesome about that song, I was just standing there just, I love the part of the song that says, Worthy is he who was and is and is to come. I love it because it's not just talking about his eternity and that he's eternal, but how many he's been in your was and your is. I love it because he's the God who was there. How many know he's been there for you? And somebody today, you've seen him be your was, but right now you need him to be your is. And I don't know what your situation is, but he is the one that is in the midst of your is. And whatever is going on in your life today, I just declare that if he was and is, the best is yet to come. Because he's already standing in your what is to come. Look at your neighbor and say, he's already there. He's already there. He's already there. He's already worked this out. He's already gone before you. He's already made a way. He's already, he's already turned this thing around. Don't, don't let a temporary situation stop you from understanding that God has a permanent deliverance for your life. Because God right now, somebody, somebody in this room just needs to know that don't let a situation that's temporal make you make permanent decisions that, are, that, that you're going to regret because of a moment. This is a moment. It's not forever. God is going to use this moment to bring you into something that you've never walked into before. And somebody, you just need to look back over your life today and see what was to what is. Because if He did that to bring you here, He'll do this to bring you there. Can I get an amen? And so I'm just thankful that He never changes. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to Limitless. We're glad you're here today. And I know, it's, I know it's graduation season, there's graduations going on all today, it's Mother's Day, and some, sometimes that means people come, and sometimes that means people go to see mama, amen? And, um, but, but we're glad you're here today. If you're, if, you're, if you're a mama, wave your hand in the air, amen? Can we give them a hand clap of praise for being mama? Nobody loves you like mama besides Jesus, amen? And so, and we're, we're thankful for you today. We... We have out in the lobby, um, I don't know if they mentioned it already, but out in the lobby there's a photo booth that we've, we've got there, if you see that little stand there. So I, we want you to take the time, we've got little cute little things you and the family can hold up together. We want, we want you to be able to take some photo ops. When you do, just put up there, hashtag be limitless, mom's day, alright, for us. And, and that way we can just say, hey, give you a shout out that we're thankful you were in the house today. Um, we have a couple things, a couple, couple gifts. I, I, I didn't know exactly which direction I needed to go with this, but we, we're going to do it this way today. I want 
I want the youngest mother in the house. I don't know who that may be. Who's the youngest mama? Who's the youngest mama? Yes, I know, Laura. I know you're laying claim to it, Laura, by faith in Jesus. It, it, I don't know. What's the, the young, she's in the nursery? Well, you can come stand in proxy for her. Okay, go get her. All right. The second one is, who's the most seasoned mama? I, stop, I, I don't want to use the word old is, because I don't see any old in the house. I don't see any old in the house. Do, do we have, do, I, I, I don't know. Let's see, let's see, anybody, anybody in your 60s, raise your hand. 60s? All right, that's good. Wait, no, that's not the oldest. 70s. 70s? Do we have 70s? Oh, 80s. Oh, there we go. Yeah! We're going to give you the best mom ever mug today, amen? Because if, if, you, if, you're, if you're that gone through that much, that long, you deserve the best mom ever. Can we give God a praise for her? Amen. And there's a little card that goes with it and a little gift inside there for you. All right, good. Yes. Amen. Where's our youngest mama? Oh, come on, come on, come on. So we're, we're going to give you the super mom, all right? We're going to give you the super mom because we understand what it is to be young and have young ends. Amen? And, and so we're, we're, thankful, we're thankful for her. Amen? Can we give God a praise? Love you. There you go. That's you and a little gift there for you. All right. Love you guys. Amen? And, and we're thankful for every mother that's in the house today. How many came ready to hear from God today? Say Yeah. If you, have your, if you have your Bibles or your devices, open them up and stand with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you, if, you're, if you are a visitor, new visitor in the house, we want to make sure you fill out your connect, this connect card. It should be somewhere near you in a seat next to you. And uh, just fill that out. Also, on the back of that connect card, there is a prayer request. That's for everybody. We want to know when people are walking through some, some things and going through things. I, I, I don't know about, about you guys, but, but this week, this week for us in our house, we just, you know, is one of those weeks where we just know something great is coming. Amen. And um, and so it's sometimes nice to be able to connect. Uh, be praying if you can, just be praying for for my father. My father had a had a major stroke this week, and um, and so I'm just putting it out there for my prayer request today. Amen. And uh, he's in the hospital. He's doing fine. They they had two aneurysm spots on his brain that were bleeding. They stopped the bleeding. They 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 are shrinking. Uh, spots that, that were there, the, the uh, left residue blood and things is shrinking down. He is improving amazingly day by day. He will be going to rehab on Mondays and, and on Monday, and we don't know how long he'll be in there, but it shouldn't be more than a month, but just to be able to, they, they believe he'll regain most everything that he's lost, but we're just believing God for miracles, amen? And so... So I know that we've been dealing, we've been going through that, and my wife had had beginning of the week had a burst bursted cyst in her in her ovary and and so we 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 spent our few few a few moments in Chesapeake General this week. Amen. But but through it all she's here today. Amen. Doing awesome. And and so and so there's moments of times. I'm just sharing that and normally, you know, us as pastors, a lot of times we don't share what we're going through because we just want 
You know, don't want people to get the wrong impression that we, we don't, we're not trying to hold our house together or something. I don't know why we don't care. But, but, like, we're spiritual superheroes or something never faced. In fact, the more anointed you are, the more attack that comes. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, they that live godly, they that live godly will suffer persecution. It means persecution is not a sign that, you're, you're, that God's angry. It's a sign that God's pleased with you. Amen? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But, somebody say but. Oh, look at your neighbor say, that's a big but. Amen. Don't look down when you say that. Don't say. <laughs> help, help the bishop this morning, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen. How many know that's true? And so we're just thankful. I'm telling you, the, the, in, fa- in fact, by the end of this week, I, I, we, we realized the purpose of why we went through by the beginning of this week, because by the end of the week, God had already turned things around, and things were working for our favor, amen? And so I don't know, that, that's for some, somebody, I just feel like the songs today, everything, is for somebody who might be facing a battle. Listen to me. Every David needs a giant. Every David needs a giant. The giant is what separates you from anointed to appointed. You are one victory away from appointment you've already been anointed for. And so somebody right now that's facing something, this is the thing. That's why he said, count it all joy when you enter into diverse trials and temptation. Why? Is because when the enemy comes with that kind of attack and that kind of temptation and that kind of hit, it's an indication. With the effectual door comes much adversity. That means not before the door, that means with the door. That means the effectual door that God has already opened for your life, the sign that He's already opened the door is that the enemy brings adversity. Because the enemy understands that he can't stop God from opening the door because it's already done. The only recourse he has then is to bring adversity to try to bring discouragement to you so that you don't step through the door that God has already opened. But I came to tell somebody who's walking through some adversity right now in this season, there's a door that's already open. And the enemy understands it. That's why discouragement is the last weapon of the enemy. Whom he can't stop, he discourages. Because if he could stop you, he doesn't need to discourage you. So if you're dealing with discouragement, frustration this week, I declare over your life, just hold on, honey, the door's already been opened, and just keep walking through the adversity because you're about to step in something you never stepped before. You believe it? Say amen. Amen. Let's get in this thing. That wasn't the sermon. That's a free one. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting, let's start with verse they got. 14. Let's, let's read it together. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the Gospel. Look at your neighbor and say, who begot you? Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son. Somebody say son. And faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which are in Christ. As I teach everywhere in every 
church. That's as far as we need to go there. Go with me to now to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Somebody say, I'm a son. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Verse 2. But it's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. But even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, turn to your neighbor and say, did you know time could get full? Did you know time could get full? When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made, made of a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he, look at your neighbor and say, he had a mama. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, in, fact, in fact, I want to stop right there for a second, just keep it right there. I'm not preaching a Mother's Day message, but I want to just interject this right now. A lot of times Eve gets a lot of problems. We blame Eve for years for a lot of things. Because we, we've always put on the fact that if it wasn't for Eve, then she wouldn't have handed the apple to Adam. And if Adam wouldn't have ate the apple, then we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. And so Eve, for a long time, generationally, through, throughout history, we've always, we've always used that moment to call women the weaker vessel and, and we've always used that moment to belittle and, and, and blame and shift and, and try to hold and suppress women down from, from being everything God has called them to be. But I, I just want you to understand something about this. While the woman while the woman while the woman had ate the fruit and had passed it, that's a whole nother story because that's not a problem on her problem. Notice something. Notice something. Whenever God refers to the garden and the first sin, He never refers to Eve. He says it's the sin of Adam. Why does He say it's the sin of Adam? It's because she wouldn't have sinned if it wasn't for Adam. It's quiet in here now. You say, what do you mean? Because Adam is the authority. He's the responsible one. He is the covering. He is. That's why, notice, when she ate the fruit, God didn't say anything. When Adam ate the fruit, then God pronounced judgment. Why? It's because He is the one that has the authority. Therefore, with the authority comes the effect of that on His household. And so we've, we've shifted blame. Not only that, but it, it didn't say that Adam went on vacation. And while he was away out of the garden, the serpent came and spoke to him. That meant, that meant Adam was standing there while the conversation was going on. That means because he's not willing to say something. Oh, whew, it's not Father's Day. But, but let me just say this to you. When men are silent, something dies. That's why the greatest, greatest tool of the enemy against men and who they are in their house and in who they are in life is to try to get them to become silent. That's why when, men, when women go through issues, they need to talk. When men go through issues, they get silent. Every man has a cave. And it's not the place in your room that you called a man, in your house you called a man cave. Every, place has a, every man has a place they retreat to, they run to, they shut down, they get silent, they, in, they take everything internally. It's because the greatest tool of the enemy is to shut the mouth of a man from speaking when he should speak and saying something over what he should say at the moment he should say it. Because whenever men, whenever men go through something, we shut down. And we're trained men to do that. We've told them when they, 
when the, when the girl fell down and cried, you ran over to her and you said, oh baby, it's okay, I know sweetie, you're alright. When the boy fell down and cried, you said, get up, don't cry, be a man. It's because we shut down expression in men. Because we want them to become silent and we want them to just hold it in and don't cry and don't express and don't. So men have, whenever they walk through things, they shut down because they've, they've learned that expression is weak and expression you can't talk because if you talk then that's a sign of your weakness. And so every man runs down, but that's the opposite of real authority and real power and real strength. Because if you are the authority, you need to speak when, you're, when God needs you to speak. You need to declare something when you need to declare something. Look at your neighbor next to you. Look at every man and say, say something, man. See, that's the reason why, like, in the middle of worship, you'll see a bunch of women in worship, in, and, and, and we're growing in worship in this house and getting more comfortable in worship and understanding expression in worship in this house. Some of us came from churches where you didn't clap till the song was over. Some of us came from churches that you never clapped at all. <laughs> Some of us came from churches that if you made a noise in church, they put you out of church and and, and, and so we're going to learn how to really worship because we need to really learn how to be free in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to understand that the Bible says, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. That means, that means he wants us to be expressive in our worship. And so if, if sometimes you'll be in conferences. You'll see women that are just expressive. They'll be out front. They'll come down to the front in the middle of worship and dancing and in the middle of worship. And, and, and then the same service, you'll see her husband standing next to him. And you're lucky if you get a... Eh. I know I'm doing good when I hear a man go, yeah. It's because the enemy wants you to become silent, but we're to be the priest of our home. That means the one thing she should never be able to do is outpraise you. The one thing she should never be able to do is outworship you. Because if I'm the priest, I'm in charge of worship. That means if she's praising that much, I gotta start dancing like David danced. I, baby, you can't now dance me out here. No, like I, I gotta get worship. Why? It's because he wants you to lead the way in worship. And I know that's a challenge, but I just challenge you, man. Why? Watch this, watch this, and then I'll, I'll, we'll get to this. He says, he says, the woman always gets the blame in the shift. And, and here's the deal is, it looked like it was doomsday for the woman because it looked like she had just messed everything up and the serpent was trying to speak over her and say, look at you, you're never going to be anything. You, you destroyed all of God's plan for humanity. Everything you had, you lost because you ate the fruit and you gave it to your husband. Look at you. Look at your mess. Look at you. You're never going to amount to anything, never be anything. You, plan, you were in the whole plan of God for all of humanity. You're never going to make it. I love it because the Bible says this, that in the middle of, in the middle, in the middle of her feeling cursed, in the middle of her feeling like she destroyed and made the biggest and greatest mistake in history, in the middle of that, God interrupts the judgment of the enemy and he begins to prophesy to her while she's still falling and she's still in the mess. And while she's still down, God speaks over the woman and says, I know that it may look bad right now for her. I know it may look like she's messed up and never can be anything and she's destroyed everything. But I'm want you to know something, enemy. He said this, God speaks over her in her mess, and he says, one day, the seed of this woman will rise up and crush the head 
of the seed of the serpent. He said, serpent, it looks like you got the best of her today, but today is not the only day. There's a day coming. There is a day coming that what is in her is going to free her from what is on her. Oh, hallelujah. And I speak over, I love it because he says the seed of a woman. A woman doesn't have a seed. A woman has fruit normally. Normally when you talk to about a woman, it's the fruit of her womb. But he said the seed of the woman. Why? It's because he said, I'm going to put a seed in her that doesn't require a man. I'm going to put a seed in her that it doesn't require a, any, any natural man to put it in her. I'm going to put my seed in her, and it's going to be the seed of a woman. There's coming a moment that the seed I put in her is going to pass all the way down to generations. And one day on Calvary, they're going to put nails in them feet. And when they put nails in his feet, those feet are going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. I, I wish... I had somebody who knew what I was saying in here. Why? Is because I want to show you something. That, that mountain that they were on is called Galgotha. Galgotha. Galgoliath. Galgoliath. Why Galgoliath? Because it's the same hill that David, when he slayed the giant, look at him and say, every David needs a giant. When David slayed the giant, he brought the, the head of the giant with him. He cut the head of the giant off with a sword, brought it back to Jerusalem. When he brought it back to Jerusalem, he buried it outside of Jerusalem. I wonder where he buried it. That hill, Golgotha, is Golgoliath, but it's also referred to the hill of the skull. Why the hill of the skull? Because there's a skull buried in that hill. That's why when, the, when they put the foot of that cross into that ground, the feet of the Christ that were bleeding crushed the head of the seed of the serpent. Oh, I came to speak to a woman in this room. You might have made some mistakes as a mother. You might have made some things and decisions you wish you didn't make. There's some things you wish you could take back. There's some days when you wondered to yourself, am I a good mama? Am I enough? Did I mess up my children's life? You see your children sometimes make the wrong choices and you say, what didn't I do? Did I not do enough? I came to tell you I break that judgment and condemnation off your life. I came to declare no matter what mistakes you have made, there is a day coming where the seed of the woman will rise up and crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Look at never say the best is yet to come. Ooh! I speak to what is in every woman in this room. I speak to your grace. I speak to your anointing. You can't birth anything in the earth if you don't have a woman. The woman is the doors of life. Even God himself, before he could come to earth, had to still come through a woman because she's the legal entry to anything that comes from the spiritual into the natural. And I just, oh God, I feel this in this room. I declare in the name of Jesus, there's a move of God that's about to be birthed and we don't need just some good men. We need some wailing women who know how to get before God and say, God, whatever's up there, birth it through me. Let the seed of the woman rise up. Woo! Wow. I feel this right now. We'll get there. Grab the hand of somebody right now and declare the seed of the woman's about to rise up. There's something about to be birthed. There's something about to be birthed. There's something about to be birthed. There's a move of God coming. I said there's a move of God coming.
Why do you think it is that he says, when Zion travails, sons and daughters are birthed into the kingdom? It's because there has to come a wail. Everything that is going to be has to be birthed. And nothing is birthed without a wail. And every mother in this room, when you went into the throes of labor and them first pains hit and that wail came out of you, that wail that seemed like pain was really just a push because there was something that was coming that was greater than any pain you were going to go through. And you, oh, huh. I'm speaking to somebody in this room and I speak over this church and I speak over the body of Christ that we may have gone through a season of attack and wail and hurt and pain, but this pain is about to release power and something is about to be birthed out of the travail. Woo! Hallelujah. Made of a woman <laughs> under the law. Go on. Verse 5. I lost my reader. To redeem them that were under the law, that ye might that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, somebody say, I am a son. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7. Wherefore thou art no more servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout, there's an inheritance, and take a seat. Amen. Woo, thank you, Jesus. I already feel the presence of God in this room. Anybody feel what I feel? <clears throat> As we were talking last and going through this series of legendary, we began to deal with the fact that we are part of a kingdom. That everything in the Bible is about a king and a kingdom, and the order of a kingdom comes through, through inheritance. And inheritance falls from fathers to sons. And so covenant relationship is the basis of the inheritance of everything we receive in God. But I want to take it another step further. It's because this, for this reason is the reason why he says that at the end of Malachi, I will, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers, that I might not smite the earth with a curse. And we saw last week that he breaks a 400-year silence by a father speaking over a son as Jesus stepped into the cool waters of the Jordan. And the voice of the father said, You are my son in whom I am pleased. And he broke a 400-year silence as he introduced the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom and declared it from a father to a son. And so what we have to understand then is to understand that the only way we're going to operate fully in who we are is not when we know enough about God, but when we know God. See, the problem with most of the Western church is that the Western church is no, longer, no longer experiences God. We just study God. See, if you travel outside this country and you go to the international churches, and you go to churches that are in international, whether it's Africa or Asia, you'll still see God in full manifestation and demonstration because they, they worship God through experience, not through instruction. See, the problem with our church, the Western church, is that we no longer operate through experience. We operate through instruction because 
we now have gone from spiritual understanding of God to now we want mental understanding of God. And so as a result, we don't come to church anymore to experience Him. We come to church to learn about Jesus. And so, now we, we, we turn most of our churches into just schools and classes to where we just come down and take notes and we say, teach me about Jesus. And, I'm, and it's awesome. You need to study to show yourself approved. You need to, you need to know the Word of God. Someone has to instruct you and direct you and give you the Word of God and speak it and teach it. We need teaching. We need understanding. But the problem is that understanding is empty and blank if you have no experience of it. Because this thing can't be taught. This thing must first be caught. That means there has to be, it has to come not through information, but by impartation. That means there's some things that you have to experience for yourself or somebody just teaching it to you doesn't mean anything at all. Like for instance, if I asked and I went around this room today and I said, do you believe in miracles? Then, and most people, most people in this room would say, yes, I believe in miracles. I would say, why do you believe in miracles? And they would say, because the Bible says that God, that God does miracles. I would say, yes, that means that you are basing your faith and your basis on what you were taught, but when's the last time you had a miracle? When's the last time you released a miracle? When's the last time you saw a miracle? See, we don't need to come into church week in and week out and learn about things that we no longer walk in. And now we profess things that we no longer possess. You go to most churches, there's, there's a majority of churches that if, that if you look, go up on their website, and if you go up on their website and you look at their statement of faith and their beliefs, you'll see that they believe in the gifts, they believe in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, they believe in speaking in tongues, they believe in miracles, they believe in all diversity of gifts, that, that nine gifts, they believe that they are operational in the church, but if you walked in on a Sunday morning, you'd never see any of them gifts in demonstration, because we don't want to demonstrate it anymore, we just want to study about it. We want to shout, but we don't possess. What good is your shout if you don't, if you don't manifest what you are shouting about? You are then professing what you're not possessing. And God said, my kingdom is not in word. My kingdom is in power. That means, listen, <laughs> that's why Paul said, I have not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. See, because one moment in the presence of God, He can teach you what I can't preach to you in eight days. One moment with God, He can give you an understanding about Him that you never studied, you never knew, but it came because you just experienced it in a moment. Whew. See, how this is supposed to work is that we're supposed to see God show up and then we have to teach you what you just saw. It's not supposed to be, I teach you into a place where you experience it. We're supposed to be walking in a place where you come in, experience it, and then I have to explain, 
God just healed you. This is how He healed you. This is the way He healed you. Instead of me saying, oh, well, God's a God of healing. And if you believe in healing, no. It's time for us to come with demonstration and with power. It's time for us to operate in who we really are. And you can't operate it just because you know the Bible, just because you know the Scripture. You have to walk in the Scripture, live the Scripture, function the Scripture, be the Scripture. Can I get an amen? Touch your neighbor and say, it's time for power. I'm not a son because I was taught to be one. I am a son, therefore I've had to learn how to be one. But I was one before I learned how. Because my sonship didn't come from instruction. My sonship came from relationship. Now are you the sons of God. But it doth not yet appear what you shall be. They can never say your shall be would blow your mind. Your shall be would blow your mind. I came to talk to somebody. You are a son. You are a son. Now are you the son of sons of God. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are a son of God. Now are you a son. You might not act like a son. You might not talk like a son. You might not live like a son, but you are a son. But every parent in here knows what that's like, right? Because there's been moments your children didn't act like your children. <laughs> Woo! Oh, hallelujah. Somebody got Ava back there, right? <laughs> hallelujah. There have been moments, I'm, I'm not even talking about when they were little, I'm talking about, you know, when they get like 18, 19, 20, 21, and you get that call at 3 o'clock in the morning because they locked up somewhere, and all of a sudden, I don't care, you might have wiped your hands with them, you might have said, I'm done with them, you might have already gave them the notice and said, I can't be part of your life anymore because you're just destroying everything around you, and when you're ready to become yourself again, then give me a call, and I'm ready to be your mama again, but for right now, I'm done with you, I take no more responsibility, I'm over. You might have had that, said that six months ago, but if you get the call at three in the morning, you will get up out of bed, you will put your robe on, rollers still in your hair, you will put your flippy floppies on, you will run down there to the, to the courthouse, you will pay whatever you got to pay and get him out because he might be a mess. He might be in struggle. He might be in hurt. He might have made some mistakes, but that is still my son. <laughs> Why do you think it is? The guy shot three people. They interviewing everybody. They get to his mama. Everybody else is saying, oh, that joker, he, he's something wrong with him. This. There ain't, nothing, there ain't nothing right about that boy. No, no, I, I saw this coming. They put the mic in the front of his mama, and his mama said, I, it couldn't have been him. I don't even know. That couldn't have been my boy, because I just raised him more than that and better than that. Why? It's because mama's still believing. Mama's still there, because even though he's a mess, he's still my son. And so it's possible for you to be a son. And not be operating in what comes with sonship. And what you have to understand is that what you have been given 
doesn't mean you operate in what you have. Jesus, the Bible, the Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That means he, the Bible says He came that none should perish. How many know there's people that have perished? How many know there's people in hell? But God didn't send them to hell. They chose hell. He came that they wouldn't go to hell. So if they're in hell, it's not because He sent them. It's because they didn't believe Him. Because He gave salvation to them. They just didn't receive what He gave. That means it could be, it's, it's theirs to have. They just didn't receive what was already theirs. That's the salvation. Now come in once you get saved. You need to begin to understand what comes with this thing. You need to understand that you, you are not a servant, you are a son. That means, and if you are a son, then you are an heir. And if you are an heir, a joint heir. That means that you are an heir. That means what God gives you is not because you know enough Bible. What God wants to do in your life is not because when you know every writer and every background and you know everything about everything there is to know about God, then you'll be ready to operate in God. No, there's things that aren't going to come by instruction. They're going to come by impartation. The problem with this generation, especially in the Western church, is that we come in to sit down and now teach me about Jesus, and now we know all the scriptures, we know all the background, we know everything there is to know about every writer, we know Hebrew, we know Greek, we got the word on audio, we got the word on video, we got the word on YouTube, we got the word on Twitter, we got the word on, we got the word on every social media platform, we got we got reference books and chain reference books that used to cost you, would have cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can now access free in your cellular device. We know every background, every writer, everything there is to know. But the more we know of him is the less we are operating in him because now we know enough but not enough to experience him because it doesn't come from instruction. It comes from impartation. Oh, is anybody with me right now? In fact, most of the people I, would I like to hang with a lot of times is people that just became, just got saved. It's because you want to know where the most free people are? They're the most free people in your church are the people that just got saved. Because they ain't been around long enough to learn how to be churchy. That's why when, they start, when we start singing songs like, I will dance like David danced when the Spirit of the Lord comes, them people that just got saved, they get out, they start dancing. Yes! I got sick. Why? It's because they were last week. They were last week. They were twerking in the club. And if they weren't intimidated of shaking it in the club, they ain't afraid to shake it for Jesus. But just give them like three or four months. We'll, we'll get them church. Three or four months. We'll tell them it don't take all that. Three or four months. We'll give them the roll of the eye when they shout in the middle of the message. Three or four months, we'll just shut them down when it starts getting too boisterous. And tell them, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't have to be like that. And we'll, 
in three or four months, and the fear of the Lord comes upon the house as a bed raises its wings. This thing's either real or it's not. This thing's either true or it's not. We either can operate in what he says we operate or we don't. And it comes like this. He, watch this. He speaks to Corinth in this text. He speaks to Corinth. He's writing to Corinth and he says, I want to show you what your problem is, Corinth. Now listen, Corinth, Corinth at that time, Corinthians, the Corinthian church, there was so much power, so much gifting, so much anointing, so much blessing going on in Corinth at that time that all the book of Corinth was really, was really Paul trying to give instruction to all the manifestation of the gifts that were happening, that they were trying to bring order and understanding to how the gifts operate and flow because God was just showing up in powerful ways. And he was showing up, and they were experiencing the power, they were experiencing the anointing, they were experiencing the blessing. I mean, at Corinth, everybody rolled up in like Bentley chariots. They were just blessed like that. They had it going on. And, and, and Corinth was just moving that way. But he said, you want to know why you have all this church and you understand church now and you understand how to operate in the gifts and you see God blessing and prospering, but you're still going home empty and you're still going home feeling like who am I and what am I and what is all this about? He said, you want to know the reason why you still got all these inner quarrelings, Corinth, and you got all these strife and issues and people talking and gossip and all this that's going on. You want to know why you got he said, she said, they said in the middle of God doing what he's trying to say? You want to know why, Corinth? It's because you have 10,000 instructors. But you don't have many fathers. In the church today, we've raised a generation now where our pastors are by position, not by relationship. Because we've learned an easier way to do it is preach, go home, go live your life. So it's easier for us to not mess with getting in your life and telling you, you know what, you need to, you know, that area of your life, I feel like you need to just I'm praying for you about that because I feel like you need to correct this area of your life. I feel like God wants to move you in this direction. Why? It's because we don't, we don't do that. We just want to, you know, I, that's, you know, that's why we become so casual. You know, that's the reason why we've, we, we have, we've, why we wear Converse and hoodies. It's because we don't want the responsibility of y'all having to raise you. We, we, we want to be able to preach. Y'all go, that was awesome. And then y'all go live your life like you never came to church this Sunday. And we'll let you work it out. And we'll let you, because me being a pastor doesn't make me your spiritual father. Because pastor is my position. Father requires relationship. And we'd, we'd, we'd rather be your friend than your father. We'd rather, we'd rather be your peer than your father. 
The problem with that is that then nobody raises anybody. The problem then is I have a 17, going to be 17, 17 year old son. And I love to hang out with him. I love just being with him. Just hanging with him, being with him. His likes are now, my likes are now his likes. He likes the Yankees. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for delivering him from the Red Sox demon in Jesus. He, 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 he likes my, we, we have passions, shared passions. We love to hunt. We love to fish. We love all that. I'm just being with him and him just being with me. And there's times, man, we joke. Every new song that comes out, I have him send it to me, even if I have to censor half of it. Just because, and, 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 but as much as I'm his friend, and as much as he loves hanging with me and being with me, and I love being with him, there are certain moments in his life where he doesn't need a friend, he needs a father. And I have to first be his father before I can be his friend. But I can't be his father if he only sees me as friend. Because he has to see me as father to be able to receive from me as father and not think I'm just one of his boys. Can I get an amen? And so every now and then, he's six something, 200 some pounds, but every now and then we have a conversation where I clearly let him know, I will climb you like a spider monkey, and I will beat you from the top down. I may be small, but small is not a match for crazy. I will go crazy on you. <laughs> I will beat you till your grandmama feel it. <laughs> Why? It's because I need to first be his father. I need to first have him be, understand this is who I am in your life. Why? It's because if I didn't love you as a father, then I wouldn't correct you. The Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, that they might know that they are a son and not a bastard. That word bastard means illegitimate child. He said, I want you to know that you my boy. You know illegitimate. And what lets you know you're my boy is every now and then I jerk you up. Every now and then when you're going in the direction that's not tied to the destiny I know what you have for you and you're trying to live less than what I said you are, there's some moments I got to smack you on your spiritual bottom and say, get back here. If I didn't love my kids, I'd let them go play in the middle of Battlefield Boulevard right now in, in the middle of rush hour traffic. But if my kids start getting near a road, I say, hey, where are you going? Why? It's because I have to pull you back. I have to correct you, not because, I, not because I don't love you, not because I'm angry at you, but it's because of the destiny that I know is ahead of you. And I love you enough to not let you destroy who I know you are. Can I get an amen? And the problem is, this generation of the church, you can encourage, you can bless, you can edify, you can affirm. You can, you can love. The one thing you can't do to this generation is correct. Because if you correct me, I'll be somewhere else next Sunday. 
I feel like the Lord is leading me out. I feel like God, my season here, has come to a close. So you never say, sit down. And we need to bring security. The only way we can get back that is if we start seeing the pulpit differently than we do now. The only way we can do that is if the pulpit starts seeing the pew differently than we do now. The only way is if we restore the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to fathers. And this doesn't have to do with age. And this doesn't have to do with seniority. It has to do with who they are in your life. Can I get an amen? It has to do with the fact that if they are your spiritual father, if they are a spiritual son, then there's a responsibility that is there by covenant for you to be able to be, to be what they need you to be in their life, for them to become what they are to become in their life. I can be a great man and not a great father. A great man you'll know by the greatness on my life. But a greatness as a father, you can't examine me. You have to examine my son. Because it's what I produce in him that will tell you about what I am to him. Is anybody with me right now? And so in this text, and, and we won't get to all of reading all of it and breaking it down, and maybe we'll get there next week. But I want to start establishing this. Watch this. He says in Galatians 4, he says, As long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of everything. That means, look at it this way. A child's born, and when they were born, they were born king. And when they were born king, they immediately had every inheritance of the kingdom. They were born with all authority. They were born with everything they were born with power over the military, power over the gross national product of the country. They were power over all trade in that nation because they are king of the kingdom. They're king, but yet they can't operate in any authority. And he says, as long as the heir is a child, he differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. That means as long as the heir, he's a king, but he's a child, he has all authority, but he has no authority like a servant. Why? It's because he's still messing in his diaper. He's still goo-gooing and gaga in the floor. He can't, he can't have charge over an army. He can't rule over a nation. He can't even articulate a sentence. But yet he has all authority. But he can operate in none. And where I'm at right now, and where God is at right now with the body of Christ, I believe with everything in me, is that He's saying, if you knew what you had, and if you knew what you were born into, and if you knew what you really got as a son of God, you would never live as low as we are living. You would never settle for a life less than what God says you could have. And He said, the problem is not that you don't have it, it's that you don't, can't operate in it. Because your maturity does not line up with your authority. And authority is too powerful. The authority of God's too powerful to put it in the hand of immaturity. 
That's why as long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of everything. You got it all. You just can't operate in any of it because it's not because you don't have it. It's because you're not mature enough to understand what you have, who you are, and how to use it. Authority is a weapon. Authority is a weapon. Authority in the wrong hands. Some of us in this room have dealt with the repercussions of when maturity is not lined up with authority. Because authority in the wrong hand will hurt somebody. My son, he loves to hunt with me. He's been hunting with me since he was five years old. Shot his first deer at five years old. If you're anti-hunting, God bless you. Pray for me. But I didn't just hand him a shotgun. Because if you've seen a five-year-old with a shotgun, yeah, you, you start wanting to have, you know, gun control right now. I'm at least muzzle control. <laughs> he said, well, it's because he would, at five years old, he had a whole lot of little play guns. I remember the first time he went with me on a hunting trip, I put the gun in his hand, and I held on. When the deer came, I just lined it up for him. I said, come here behind me. You see that through there? Now just pull the trigger. It's because he wasn't mature enough to handle that kind of weaponry. See, if you get authority before you get maturity, you think you might think your enemy is a person two pews up from you. And you'll start slaying things that you should be raising. Is anybody here with me? And he says, as long as the heir is a child, he's different enough to serve it. See, this is why we've got to go beyond in our churches, go beyond just preaching salvation messages alone. And as much as we need to save them and reach, we need to bring as many lost people as can. We need to raise them up. We need to see people, more people birth in the kingdom this year than any time ever. But what good is it to birth them in the kingdom if we're not committed to raising them in the kingdom? Because if I preach you, God loves you, and He loves you, and I love you, and you're okay, and I'm okay, and we're okay, every Sunday, there's going to be some moments you ain't okay. And somebody at some point has to have given you enough understanding of the Word and of the anointing and the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God can begin to do what His job is, which is to correct you and instruct you into all things. But if nobody is willing to raise, then we've just got nurseries. We don't have churches. And I'm determined that if you are part of Limitless, you're going to come in a baby, but you ain't staying one. Well, hallelujah. 
You're going to come in, you're going to come in, because everybody, when you're born again, everyone's a baby. We've all been a spiritual baby. We're all still growing. None of us have arrived. None of us have attained. We're all still growing. We're all still building. But my responsibility, if I'm going to, if you're going to be under my covering and connected to me, is to make sure that there is a place in God that you've been called to, you've been destined to, you've been, you, God has predetermined for you to fulfill and walk in, and I have to prepare you for that moment, for that season, for that time, for you to step into everything God has called you to be. He says, as long as the heir is a child, he's different than from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is placed under tutors and governors until the time appointed of a father. Put that verse 2 up there if you can. Until the time appointed of a father. That means there's a point in time that you're to be everything God has called you to be. That means there is a spiritual... See that, see that F? That F's a lowercase F, not a capital F. If it was a capital F, he'd be talking about the Heavenly Father. But it's a lowercase F because this ain't a Heavenly Father, this is a spiritual Father. This is... This is why when Jesus came into the Jordan that John had to baptize him. It's because he said, I want to show you your end from your beginning. This is what it's going to look like when you step in your destiny before you even have your start. Why? Because the sign that you found a spiritual father is that they see your end before you even have a beginning. Because their entire role in your life is to empower you and prepare you and ready you for the point in time for you to step into everything God called you to be. This message is different than run most of my messages. But is anybody receiving anything today right now? It's because there's going to be some moments when in Limitless where I can't just have you shout. There are going to be some moments when I can't just have you dance and holler and say, wow, that was deep, the most deep revelation. There's got to be some moments when I grow you. Can I get an amen? There's going to be some moments the next verse, I and mean, we don't have to go there, but it says, but when, as in when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. That means there's a point in time, an appointed time. That means God has an appointed time that you have to be ready for. There's an appointed time. This is the graduation week. I went yesterday, so proud of my nephew, graduated from Regent. So glad of our, our Regent graduate. Anybody else graduate in here? Les? Or have a graduate? Did you have a graduate in here? Your children? Amen. Awesome. Amen. There was a point in time 
when I was going to school, we had those lifelong students. Because <laughs> wasn't mama and them paid like 10, 10 years for a four-year degree. And, but they were, they were past the point of the time they were supposed to. Because there's a place in time. There's a point in time Ellie's still in diapers, but she's one. Zion is not in diapers. If he was, he's changing them himself. There's a moment in time you got to outgrow some things. There's some development that has to happen. There's some stuff that by now... You should not still be operating in. There's some stuff. After you've been, that's why it's, after you've been saved a long time, there's certain stuff we should not have to just do all the time. Like, after you've been saved a long time, you ought not, you ought not want to quit church at the drop of a hat. Is anybody with me right now? After you've been saved a while, Everybody ought not have to come down your row, shake your hand 24 times in one service for you to feel, oh, they love me here. I, honestly, I, I've been part of church. I've been, I've been doing this a long time. There are people that will miss three Sundays just to see if they get a, a call. There are people that will miss three Sundays just to, and if you don't get a call, oh, nobody calls me. Nobody called me. I guess they just don't love me. I guess I'm just going to have to go down here. I guess the church just, I mean, they were calling me when there was just 30 people in the church. Now the church growing, got a new building. Nobody calling me now. I guess, I, guess, I, guess, I guess they just don't need me anymore. I'm just going to go down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go where everybody knows my name. And they always glad I came. You wanna be where people see. Troubles are all the same. You wanna go to church where everybody knows your name. If that's the case, God bless you. This ain't gonna be the place for you. Because when ten thousand people show up in a room. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean they're not going to love you. It doesn't mean they're not committed to you. It just means why are you coming? Are you mature enough to not have everything about you? Are you mature enough that if everybody, everything's not done the way you want it, the way you like it, the way it feels right for you, are you still going to be able to stick it out and stay and understand, after all, this ain't about me? Can I get an amen in here? And I'm done. I've gone over. Stand with me all over the house. Anybody receive anything today? These, 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 these are the messages where my wife has to pray resuscitation on me afterwards. It's because there are moments 
people, God, God once told me, he said, I want, you to, I want you to feed my people. He asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah, God, I love you. Jesus, I love you. He said, no, do you love me? He said, yeah, I love you. He said, if you love me, Pastor Peter, then feed my sheep. And so the real role of our love as a pastor for God is that we, we show how much we love Him by how we feed you. And so God started speaking to me and said, He said, I want you to feed my children like you used to feed your children. I said, what do you mean? He said, do you remember when they started going off of milk and started eating regular, like, baby food? I said, yeah. He said, do you remember Gerber baby food? I said, yeah, God, I remember Gerber baby food. He said, he said you remember when Taylor, my oldest one, Taylor, Taylor used to always love banana dessert in Gerber. Anybody ever, ever have them? There's some mothers in here. I know y'all cheated and had a little banana just to do it. Man, that banana. I mean, it ain't banana pudding or nothing, but it's like, it's legit, right? And, and so, like, there are moments, like, when you're feeding them the bananas, it's like, you a spoon, daddy's spoon. You a spoon, daddy's spoon. And, and, but, man, when it came to, like, strained peas, like, she would just eat up the bananas, like, <clears throat> you put them strained peas, and she would just, <clears throat> he said, I want you to feed my children like you fed her. I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, you remember when she used to spit out all, all them strained peas? I said, he, he, he said, yeah, what would you do? I said, I would just scrape them off her mouth and shove them right back down her throat. He said, yeah. He said, there are going to be some moments when all they want is the banana dessert and the banana dessert. And when you give them the strained peas, they're going to try to spit it out. He said, at that moment, this is what makes you a father. Oh, God. At that moment, you have to determine whether them liking it is better than them being who and having what they need for them to become what they need to. He said, I want you, if they spit it out, scrape it off their face and shove it right back down their throat. Leah never said, you might not like it, but you need it. And I promise, I'll give you enough banana with the strained peas that it kind of covers the strained peas, but there's some strained peas Sundays that are necessary in your life. Because I'm talking to somebody in this room who God has determined for you to make it to your appointment. God is determined for you to step into everything He said you would be. When I look across this house, there's just, I've never seen anything like this. I just say it, to my, I say it to every person I know. I say it to my wife all the time. I've never seen God do this before. I've built churches. I've planted churches. I've helped raise churches. I've never seen what God's doing in this house. The level of gifting that are in this room right now 
would blow your to see what and who God is bringing in this house. It makes me say, God, if this is the beginning, what's it going to look like a year from now? Because God can't gather this many eagles together and this much power together.